I don't know about y'all, but for me this year, Easter feels, it feels different. I don't know about you, but for me, it feels hard to sing or preach about resurrection when there's so much death all around us. It's like, how do we celebrate Easter when we're still lamenting the recent acts of violence and hatred toward Asian bodies? When black lives are continuing to be dehumanized in the media, how do we sing of resurrection fresh off the news of another mass shooting, of the loss of loved ones still so fresh on our hearts? How do we celebrate Easter one plus year into a pandemic that have claimed already so many lives? I don't, knew, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but that's the tension that I'm up against this Easter service. And even, even if I, as I was preparing to preach, I felt this temptation that, Mickey, just crank out a feel-good Enneagram Type 7 positive Easter message. Just crank it out, make it good. But I just felt this tension in my heart that so many of us, it's hard for us to celebrate Easter today. So many of us, it's hard to lift our hands to resurrection because of the weight of the suffering and the pain of our own personal lives and of the world around us. It just doesn't feel right this year. Honestly, and this is a big hit for us because Easter is supposed to be the seeker-friendly message, right? It's supposed. Some of y'all are tuning in. You haven't been here since Christmas, I know. And so Easter is supposed to be the feel-good message, but I just feel like it would be disingenuous to what our community is experiencing and what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. Let's just be real. We're walking into this Easter carrying grief, Rage, lament, fear, hopelessness, some of us apathy, church online for the last year, we just haven't been able to connect. We're walking in with so many things this Easter, and what I want you to know is that God's not ignoring it. God's not ignoring what you're experiencing, and we can't either. I believe there are moments when God just interrupts us where he puts a pause on the routine, on the plan, on the schedule, on what's supposed to be normal. And today I feel like God interrupting us. And I feel like God is challenging us and inviting us not to just sit back and listen to another nice Easter sermon, sing nice Easter songs, and have a nice Easter service. But I feel like the Spirit of God today is challenging us and inspiring us to become an Easter people. And so the title of my message today, I haven't decided. It's either interrupting Easter or Easter people. I'll let you guys vote and decide. (laughs) But let me pray one more time um, as we get into this message, just to set our hearts for what Holy Spirit wants to do. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you tune our hearts to your voice? God, we don't want to miss you. And today, I pray that we wouldn't be so quick to write over what we're actually feeling and experiencing in this moment. But Lord, we know that you are God big enough to meet us in the very places of authenticity and honesty that we bring before you. So would you meet us here today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. I think we're going to have it up here on screen and on screen there. But if y'all still read the Bible, you could get out your Bible app. I don't think people have physical Bibles anymore. Oh, my God, a physical Bible. It's like spotting a rare Pokemon. Oh, my gosh. We're going to start at verse 11. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him, carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these things to her. Now, the first person in this Easter story to encounter the risen Christ was a woman named Mary Magdalene. And at first, there's kind of this comedic moment. I, I imagine it feels like a sitcom show. Mary mistakes Jesus for the gardener. She doesn't recognize who he is, which is understandable. I mean, I, I, I think it could happen. It's very within reason that he thought she thought he was the gardener. I think it's a logical mistake. But what I want to propose to you today is that what if it was something more? What if Mary mistaking Jesus for the gardener wasn't just an ordinary mistake? What if it was a prophetic mistake? Or what if it wasn't even a mistake at all? Do you know that when Jesus died, he was buried in a garden? You know, a garden is a place where things cultivate, things grow to life. You know, here in San Francisco, it might be hard to find a a garden. We're lucky because we have a beautiful garden right over here. But in San Francisco, it's very sparse. In fact, when we first moved to the city, Krista really wanted a plot of garden, but we didn't have one near our house. So we looked up garden plots for rent, and the wait list was seven years. Seven years for a little plot of garden land. That's how sparse it is here in the city. I remember when we moved to our last place, one of the first gifts that we got from one of our neighbors was a gardening shovel. And if you've ever been to our house in Candlestick, in the front area in the courtyard, there's these beautiful flowers that are blossoming. It's because our neighbor cultivated the garden and started to grow these beautiful flowers. She unfortunately passed away about a year and a half ago. But every time we walk by the beautiful garden, we remember that she cultivated and tilled the soil and grew these beautiful flowers and these plants, and we still get to enjoy that beauty today. When you think of a garden, you think of life. You think of growth. You think of beauty. And I think there's a very significant reason why Mary thought that Jesus was the gardener. See, a a few chapters before Jesus went to the cross, he actually says this in John chapter 12, verse 24. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So check this out. On Good Friday, Jesus is buried in a garden. On Holy Saturday, Jesus' body is sown like a seed into the soil, into the ground. And on Easter Sunday, the garden brings forth its first fruit. The first fruits of resurrection. Jesus was the first fruit coming out of the garden, which was once death, but now has become life. It's no mistake that Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. 
Because he is. Jesus is the gardener who takes all that is dead and cultivates life for all who believe, birthing new life in the soil of death, pain, grief, and sorrow. G.K. Chesterton once said, On the third day, the friends of Christ coming at daybreak to the place found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In varying ways, they realized the new wonder. The world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of a new creation with a new heaven and a new earth and an assemblance of a gardener God walked again in the garden in the cool, not of the evening, but the dawn. If you remember in the very beginning in Genesis, we just went through the story. Adam was placed in what? A garden. And God was a gardener, and Adam was a gardener too. And God charged Adam to cultivate beauty and shalom all upon the earth. But what does Adam do? Instead of cultivating life and beauty, he cultivates death and destruction. I don't know. I know we have some plant moms in the house and plant dads, but everything I touch dies. Like, I went through a plant phase in my, in my house before I got married when I was a bachelor, single, eligible, and I would kill every single plant that I touch. I'm not like Gabby or Ramsey or any of y'all that are growing plants. And Adam was charged to grow life here on this earth, but instead he cultivated death. But now the first fruits of resurrection. Now we have a gardener who will restore the ruined garden. Jesus, the gardener of new creation. Jesus, the one who turns wastelands into gardens. Why do we celebrate Easter? Because a dead guy came back to life 2,000 years ago? Because one day we can now escape this hellish world and go to a utopian paradise? No, when Jesus rose from the grave, we celebrate Easter because he brought with him a new creation, a new order, a new way of living. The gardener was cultivating a new world. In other words, Easter is not just hope for a future paradise. Easter is hope for our world right here, right now. Brian Zond, one of my favorite authors, he says, In the world after Easter, the spirit of truth says, Imagine a world beyond violence, beyond war, beyond greed, beyond poverty, beyond disease, beyond exploitation, beyond the tyranny of economic self-interest, beyond the wreckage of ruthless competition, and move in that direction because that is the future. The way civilization has been arranged from Genesis 3 and 4 onward has been according to the lies of Lord death. But Easter is the declaration that the prince of life has overthrown the Lord of death and opened a new door, a door that leads out of the land of death and into resurrection country. I just think of the Ariana Grande song. Imagine a, like imagine a world that is free of all the pain that we're experiencing, of the racism, of the hatred, of the violence. This is the message of Easter to everything wrong and broken and ugly in our world. There is a new way, a new order, and God is cultivating new, something beautiful from the dirt of our world. Gardener God makes graves into gardens. He brings beauty from ashes. That's good and all. I think we can all get around that message. I think we could sing about it, sing elevation worship songs and graves in the gardens. I think we could get around that message. But maybe we don't see many gardens right now. Maybe our lives look more like wastelands. 
Maybe every time we open social media, it doesn't look like what Jesus is promising. It doesn't look like the fruits of the Easter message. For some of us, it feels more like death than it does resurrection today. For some of us, it feels more like silent Saturday than it does Easter Sunday. Why does God reveal himself as a gardener and not a builder? See, when you're constructing something, you can actually set the pace of growth. You know, I used to love Legos, and I could, I can calculate in my mind how long it's going to take for me to build a Lego Death Star, right? If you're building a couch or a chair, you can estimate how long it's going to take. But when it comes to gardening, growth in a lot of ways is out of our control. When you plant a seed, oftentimes you have no idea what's going on underneath that soil. You just have to trust that the process is working, that the water is working, that the sun is soaking. You know, when Krista got pregnant, I was really happy but I didn't really get to experience the pregnancy in the sense that I didn't really know what was going on in there. Like, is baby growing? Is baby okay? Like, it's not until the bump started showing and I could finally put my hand on that bump where I can actually see, oh, there's something actually growing in there. And on my birthday a week and a half ago, it was crazy. Every year I asked God for a birthday gift. And up to this point, I'd only felt her baby bump. But on my birthday the night of, we were lying in bed in Big Bear and I felt the baby kick for the first time. My son, he's a soccer player or a karate kid. I don't know. But I felt him kick for the first time. And I remember thinking, oh, how beautiful. There is life in there. But for many of us, it's like the early stages of pregnancy. We plant a seed and we don't know what's going on. Is it doing doing its work? Is it growing? Is resurrection being cultivated? Like what is going on? See, you know, Mary didn't come to the tomb because she was expecting a risen Jesus. In the story, Mary came to the tomb because she was mourning. She was grieving. She was not even expecting angels or the sight of gardener Jesus, but in her grieving, she was surprised by hope. One of my good friends, Mike in Texas, he's also a pastor of a beautiful community out there. He wrote on Instagram the other day, no one knows when their Easter will arrive. I don't know when you'll experience resurrection in your life, in your career, in your relationship. For some of us, If we're being honest, it might not even come in this lifetime. So then why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we get and rally behind resurrection? It's because part of the spiritual life is learning to sit in the silence of Saturday and trusting that our gardener is cultivating life, trusting that we will be surprised by hope, whether it's in this life or the next, that there is coming a resurrection For that family member that you lost, there is coming a day. There is coming a resurrection. It might not be on this life. For some of us, it will. One of my other friends who's a worship leader, we've been writing songs together. It's been cool. We're actually going to, you're going to hear a lot of songs from us. We're trying to gather Asian American worship leaders to write worship songs through our lens and our experience. We don't sing, we sing white people song, guys. Some black people song too. But we don't sing any songs written by Asian people. There's something wrong with that. Anyway, he's a phenomenal worship leader, James Peck. He said, also on Instagram, you can celebrate the resurrection and still be in the pain of Saturday. They're not mutually exclusive. In fact, a deep understanding of your Saturday is what often reveals the hope, power, and beauty of a risen Savior. 
You can still be in the agony of loss and hope in resurrection. You can still be in the frustration of longing for justice and hope for resurrection. It doesn't be still and know that I'm God. Take a new meaning looking at through this lens. This is the silent hope of Easter that I feel like God is birthing in all of us this season. But here's the thing. It's not enough just to know of this hope. Shane Claiborne, he says, for even if the whole world believed in resurrection, little would change until we began to practice it. We can believe in CPR, but people will remain dead until someone breathes new life into them. And we can tell the world that there is life after death, but the world really seems to be wondering if there is life before death. I think the main thing that I feel like Holy Spirit wants us to know today is that Easter isn't just a service we attend once a year to look for hidden Easter eggs. There's none in here, by the way. We were going to, but there's none in here. Easter isn't just a service we attend. It's an identity we are called to embody. Easter isn't just a message we preach. It's a people that we are called to be. We are an Easter people. Look to your neighbor and say, you are an Easter person. We are Easter people. We are gardeners cultivating resurrection in a desolate world. Resurrection was not just a one-time event 2,000 years ago, but resurrection is something we are called to practice and participate in every single day. A gardener's work is earthy and intimate. Gardeners get down in the dirt and they put their hands through the dirt. You know, they're flicking away worms. You know, I'm I'm like a two-finger wing kind of guy. Like, I don't like to get my hands dirty when I'm eating wings. In fact, if I have chopsticks, I'll just use chopsticks. Like, I, I want to get minimal dirt on my hands. But Jesus is not afraid to get into the dirt. He is the gardener God. And he's not afraid to get his hands dirty in the dirt of humanity, to sit with lepers, to eat with the outcasts and the sinners, to touch the ritually unclean. And what I feel like Holy Spirit wants us to know today is you can't experience resurrection where there is no death. By very definition, resurrection is raising something dead back to life. It was at the tomb that Mary witnessed resurrection power. It was in the face of death and hopelessness and pain where Mary experienced resurrection life. Church, if we hope to experience resurrection, we have to run to the tombs. We have to run to the hurting ones. We have to run to the oppressed ones. We have to run to those who are suffering, to those who are hopeless, to those who are living in the shadows of death. What are we doing if not running to the people who need resurrection the most? That is our calling as an Easter people. Very recently, a man brutally attacked a 65-year-old Asian-American grandmother walking to church. And what was most infuriating about this incident was that there were two security guards who could have done something but chose to close the door and look away instead. And it reminds me that out of the thousands of people that Jesus ministered to, that he preached to, that he healed, that he fed, do you know how many people stood with him when he went to the cross? Five. Out of thousands, five were left in his suffering, in his agony. 
and four of them were women. After everything Jesus did, only five people were willing to stand near the cross and not turn their eyes away from the suffering. If we look away from the suffering and pain of our world, are we any better than those who looked away when Jesus went to the cross? Are we any better than those men who shut the door on a helpless Asian woman when she was being brutally assaulted? How can we preach about Easter if we're not willing to engage in the suffering of Jesus with those who are experiencing violence and hate in our streets. Yes, the Easter message is all about hope, but we cannot ignore where hope is most needed right here, right now. Lil Nas X. I don't know if you heard, but Christians are in an uproar because Lil Nas X released these new sneakers that he calls Satan shoes. And they have like a pentagram on it. I think some people say there's like a drop of blood, human blood in the shoes. And Christians are in an uproar because he released these demonic shoes. And what's funny is that Christians, they're so upset. They're in an uproar about his, about his latest sneaker release. They don't realize that Lil Nas X actually grew up in church. He grew up hearing the Easter message. He was sitting in youth group next to you hearing that sermon about Easter and about resurrection. And what's sad is that most Christians are upset about his sneakers than they are saddened by the fact that our preaching failed him. That he heard Easter preached, but he never encountered an Easter people. And this is what I feel like Holy Spirit wants us to get today. That we can't just preach Easter, we have to be an Easter people. We have to learn to practice resurrection. And we can't practice resurrection when we're not around what's dead. We have to go to where those who are suffering, who are in pain, who are in death, need resurrection life. Now, I don't share this news very often. Well, actually, I do. I don't know why I said that. But my, my, my cousin is Margaret Cho. She's a famous comedian. She's hilarious. I love her. And I love what she does. Like, I think she's so funny. She's such a masterful storyteller. She's someone who has a big heart of empathy for so many people that feel outcasted and overlooked. And Margaret grew up in church. She grew up in youth group. And what drove her away from church wasn't that she didn't believe in the message. It's that the people that were supposed to embody that message didn't. I think for us here today, we have to really think that the worship songs we sing and the sermons we preach have no power if we don't get out of our churches to carry them to those who are hurting in our cities. The message of Easter has no power if we're unwilling to carry it to those who need it the most. The prophet Amos In chapter 5, he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. Don't sing reckless love anymore. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But... Let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Hear me, church. The world is longing for more than just an Easter message. It's waiting for an Easter people. 
It's waiting for a people who will not just preach resurrection, but people who will go to the grieving and weep with them. A people who will stand with the oppressed and pursue justice. A people who will care for the vulnerable in our society. I'm not trying to be biased, but I think Alex looks the most like Jesus in our church. I love Alex. I mean, I wish you could see him right now. He's just back there. But Alex, without any prompting, a few weeks ago just decides, I want to care for those who are most vulnerable in our city right now. And so he gathered resources, and he went literally into the streets, and he started giving those who are experiencing homelessness new hope. Is that not practicing resurrection? I think about even, you know, some of you might know Emily Chi, but recently she was posted in the New York Times because there's this beautiful family that she took with all the, uh, the women in her family, and she was able to tell her story. Is that not practicing resurrection when she's pursuing justice? We are called to be an Easter people. Will Willimon, sounds like a Pokemon, The most eloquent testimony to the reality of the resurrection is not an empty tomb or a well-orchestrated pageant on Easter Sunday, but rather a group of people whose life together is so radically different, so completely changed from the way the world builds a community that there can be no explanation other than that something decisive has happened in history. Church, we are called to be an Easter people to practice resurrection And practicing resurrection looks like prayer. It sounds like worship. But it also looks like volunteering. It also sounds like protest. Practicing resurrection looks like pursuing God with community. But practicing resurrection also looks like sitting with the skeptic and the outcast, those who feel far from God. You know, recently we went to a rally last Sunday, a few of us here at church, where Christians were gathering to you know, come together and lament and grieve the recent attacks on Asian people. And we were able just to pray together, to hear stories. But I came across a woman that I met there who actually starts, started an organization in the Tenderloin, specifically helping Asian elders. And it's so cool. She's, there's so many ways that we can volunteer with them. She's going to share some resources with us in the near future about ways that we can connect with them. We could get groceries for them. We could walk them when they feel unsafe. And you could can, you can, you can even teach them technology, how to use Zoom, all that stuff. There's so many ways that we could partner with. And we're going to be sharing those in the weeks to come. But I don't want you to wait. What is one way that you could practice resurrection this Easter today, this week? Is it calling that person that's been so hopeless and infusing them with empathy, with togetherness, with prayer? Is it doing something like, Alex, no one prompted him. This ain't no ministry title. He felt something in his heart, and he met the need. Will we be an Easter people, the people that God has called us to be? So I have two prayers today. The first is actually the title of my message last year, Easter Us. Lord, we need resurrection life. There are so many things inside of us that are dead, that need your life. Lord, Easter us. We need your resurrection power in our own lives. But the second prayer that I want us to pray is make us an Easter people. Make us a people that don't just preach about Easter, but practice resurrection in the spiritual and in the practical ways here in our city. So will you pray that with me, church? I want to invite you to a time to respond. 
right now, I want us to close our eyes, whether you're at home or here in this space right now. And I feel like there's two invitations from God, just like I mentioned. Number one, God, would you Easter us? God, would you come and meet us in our grieving, in our mourning, in our outrage, in our apathy, in our skepticism, in our fears, and in our doubts? Will you come and meet us in the tombs of our lives? We need your resurrection life. I know in this season, there's so many people in our community that have experienced or are experiencing heart-wrenching grief. People that have lost family members. People that have lost loved ones. I know there's people in our community that have been out of work for so long and it seems like there's no end in sight. I know there's people in our community that are facing financial struggles They don't know how they're going to make it this year. I know there's people in our community that are just done with life, that are so lonely and so broken that they don't know how they're going to make it. God, would you meet us in our tombs? Would you meet us in the dead places? Would you meet us in our suffering, in our brokenness, and in our pain? Would you meet us in the very place where your resurrection takes place? God, none of us know when our Easter will arrive, but we sit in silence and we trust that we will one day be surprised by hope. So right now, would you meet every single person that's experiencing suffering or pain or death? And would you comfort them with the hope of your Easter message? Would you comfort them with the hope that resurrection is coming? I think I shared this a few weeks ago, but I feel like God's saying, if I'll meet you in the miracle, I can also meet you in the funeral. If I can meet you in the mountaintop, I could also meet you in the valleys low. God, would you meet us in our brokenness? Would we cling to the hope of Easter? The second prayer I want to pray over us is, God, would you make us an Easter people? God, we've, for some of us, we've been in church way too long. And we're so jaded and we're so disconnected from, man, is this thing even real? God, I pray that we would embody the reality of the gospel, that we would embody the reality of Easter, that we would run to the tombs of those who are suffering, who need resurrection life. We would run to those who are weeping, who are grieving, who are lamenting, who are waiting in frustration and anger. God, we run to the tombs and we carry with it an announcement that a new order is coming. New creation is here. So God, I pray you would stir our hearts this season here in our city, here in our families, here in this place to be the people that you've called us to be.